Welcome to the Shanna Plan Podcast, episode number 16. I am your host, Akash. I am joined by my guy, Kyle Posey, who was at the 49ers game, the Glendale 49ers game at State Farm Stadium. What's up, KP? Nothing much, man. Just enjoyed the game. Not really, because the 49ers lost at home again. <laughs> yeah, not a surprise, right? They're, what, 1-5, in five, I think, now in home games, technically. Uh, they lost 34-24. to 24. Um, The score looks a lot closer than it really did. Um, it was kind of a route from the mid-second quarter when the Buffalo Bills were up like 17-7. It was just a route from then on. Josh Allen was phenomenal. Um, he was the star of the game. It was... It might have been his moment where he kind of re-enters the MVP conversation, especially if they make a push. He was 32 of 40 for 375 yards, four TDs, no picks, with a passer rating of 140. Um, And I thought that the 49ers, uh, if they had a chance in that game, uh, Josh Allen had to make some mistakes. He was the opposite. He was phenomenal. He looked like Patrick Mahomes light out there. Uh, What did you see from him? Uh, Because you were there. I saw Captain America. That's what I saw. I saw a superhero. I saw a guy that all season we've seen 49ers fans talk about, you know, how struggle, how much of a struggle the 49ers offensive line is, how, you know, everything needs to be perfect, essentially. And what we saw Josh Allen do is run out of pressures, run out of being, you know, hurried time and time again, use his legs, and then make these unreal throws, not five, six yards down the field, like 19, 20 21 yards down the field where these throws are on a line, these throws are on a rope, these throws are in traffic, and the four, or the Bills are moving the ball. And it's not as if these guys are wide open. He's throwing them open. It, it's just – it was one of those performances where I, I would honestly – I feel like, in my opinion, that was the best quarterback performance that we've seen in the past two years, whether it's on the 49ers or against the 49ers. So I, I don't know. Is that is that a hot take? No, I don't think so. I I tweeted this out. I thought it to myself, and I was thinking about it this morning. I don't remember the 49ers defense ever looking that helpless. Like, usually when you get, you know, when a team runs against you and you can't stop the run, and they just go run, 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 it's demoralizing. It's soul-snatching. Yesterday was the opposite. Josh Allen was thrown all over the field, and it felt like they had pitch and catch to, in, like, a curl route. Uh, these comebacks, like they had anything they wanted, whether it was Stefan Diggs or Gabriel Davis or Cole Beasley. Um, yeah, it just felt like the 49ers had zero answer on defense for Josh Allen. And I, I don't ever remember seeing Robert Sala look that helpless on the sideline. Yeah, it was pretty evident that they, they didn't have an answer. So in the first half, it was Cole Beasley, and he had over 100 yards in the first half, I believe. And then in the second half, they I imagine they adjusted to Cole Beasley and the other guy, Stephon Diggs, who, if you have not seen him play, is one of the five best receivers in the NFL. Uh, and he was beating everybody. Like, he made Jason Rett look bad. I have not seen Jason Rett look that bad all season. And he's gone up against some quality wide receivers as well. So, again, this is a situation where, as you said, the 49ers defense looked helpless. But we have to give credit to the Bills because Josh Allen, Beasley, and, and Diggs made a ton of plays where the 49ers, at times they were in a position, but for the most times they weren't. And that's because the other three made those plays. Yeah, and another note on Josh Allen. He had a 71% success rate yesterday. So, essentially, every time he passed the ball, he was successful like three out of four plays. They got a first down on 52% of his passing play. So he had 42 
passing attempt or 48 passing attempts, I believe. And they got a first down 25 times. So it was just, they were insanely efficient and they weren't even getting to third downs in the first half. Like I, I looked at one point, I think for the game, they were only four for nine on third down. The 49ers were losing on like first and second down. They were giving up chunk plays all over the yard. Um, and that's, you know, credit to Josh Allen, credit to Brian Dable too. Uh, he's kind of flown under the radar when it comes to like, um, you know, coordinators that should be hired for jobs, but he's really thrown his name, you know, uh, into the mix. And obviously on the opposite side of the ball, uh, Robert Sala has been, you know, probably the hottest name on the market. And I'm not sure if his stock took a hit last night, just given, you know, the, the type of team that he's fielding, but Brian Dable definitely threw his name into that mix with that performance. Uh, I thought he outcoached Sala and they just, they just did things that the 49ers couldn't stop. Yeah. Where the 49ers are very good at is winning on early downs and forcing teams into those third and long situations where Sala can get creative and they can bring Fred Warner on blitzes. They can bring the slot cornerback, and they can do these exotic coverages on third down. But the Bills' average yardage on third down was five yards. And when that happens, you can run Josh Allen. You can spread it out and throw it underneath. Or you can just heave it deep. And they had they, they were able to do pretty much whatever they wanted to do. So, again, I think we just have to credit them. Dayball coached circles around Salah. And that hasn't happened all season. So I don't, that's why it's hard to be critical of the defense because we have not seen them look like this. They have been, they haven't been elite, but they've been very, very good. And, and the numbers back that up, they're pretty much top 10 and even top eight across the board and essentially any, you know, drive per drive statistics. So yeah, man, I, I, I really wasn't expecting that. I knew the Buffalo would score, but like that, oh man, they're scoring out well. Yeah, I I thought they would score, and you know we when we made our score predictions last week, they were in the high twenties. I thought you know Allen would make a mistake, you know the Niners defense would come up with a crucial stop, um, and obviously Fred Warner had an acrobatic interception that was an awesome play, but it got taken away because of a Sherman penalty. And there were things that just the balls, you know, they didn't bounce the right way for the 49ers. They didn't deserve to win that game, but they didn't really stand a chance. And uh, the other thing you brought up that you know the 49ers weren't bringing any pressure, at least per PFF. Allen was only under pressure on 10 of his uh, 43 dropbacks, which isn't really good at all. Uh, They blitzed him 12 times. He was 8 of 11 against the blitz for 100 yards with a touchdown. So he was just as efficient against the blitz as he was, you know, uh, when the 49ers just rushed four. So it's like Saul just couldn't find an answer all night. And they tried, uh, you mentioned it. I saw Rich, Rich Madrid mentioned it. They tried all sorts of different coverages. So it wasn't like, you know, he was just not like, hey, let's just run cover three. You know, they tried cover two, man, quarters. They were just trying different things, and Josh Allen was slicing and dicing them up. So uh, we're going to talk about this as well. Right, let's Actually, let's talk about it now. And you probably heard this from a few other 49ers talking heads, but if you're Kyle Shanahan and you watch this performance from Josh Allen and you've seen what Kyler Murray can do, and, and any of the other young quarterbacks around the league this year, because there are a lot of quarterbacks playing at a high level. How could you see what's going on around the NFL and think, you know, I'm going to come back with Jimmy Garoppolo next year? Is that a thought process you think he's having? Because a lot of fans, you know, they're still convinced. There are a good group of fans that are still convinced that Jimmy is a guy. And that's because the team went to a Super Bowl last season. But you're also, you know, holding out hope that he stays healthy and we could be in the situation again next year. Why is that not coming up? Like, why are we thinking that, you know, he's going to be injury free for next year and beyond? 
I hate the conversation and, you know, I read your article on NinersNation.com. You know, this is a, a free pitch. Go check it out. Kyle does some good stuff there. And you had mentioned <laughs> you had mentioned that, you know, if the running game has to be right, if the offensive line has to be right, you need healthy receivers, a healthy tight end in George Kittle, then that guy isn't your franchise quarterback. When you need all the pieces to be right around you for your quarterback to succeed, then what am I paying the quarterback $27 million for, right? quarterback especially in the nfl and maybe in all of sports is the one position that can really elevate talent around and hide flaws in your team that's why he's paid the most that's why he's the most important position that's why teams do you know amount you know ample amounts of research in the offseason try to go get that guy and we saw last night josh allen no one talked about what his offensive line was doing no one was talking about his running running game his running back actually fumbled right um when they were backed up near the goal line. No one talks about any of that stuff. They're just talking about how Josh Allen like overcomes all this stuff, regardless of even who his offensive coordinator is, right? And we know Cal Shanahan is good at what he does. He's good at scheming offense. He's good at calling plays. Yet the one thing he's missing is this quarterback that can play outside of his system, right? Kyle Shanahan, again, he stands on the sideline. So the, when he calls plays, he assumes that it's going to work, but you still need a quarterback that can you know, make plays beyond that because they're not always going to work, right? That's why def- defensive coordinators get paid. That's why defense defenses in general get paid. So when they don't work, your quarterback has to be a little bit more, you know, make plays on the run, you know, step up in the pocket, get outside the pocket, be mobile, hit throws on the run. And Jimmy Garoppolo is not that guy. He's a far better version than Nick Mullins, who actually had a few plays like that last night, but he did. He did. Credit to him. But... Those two guys aren't it. And especially in the NFL in 2020, when you watch, just watch the league on Sundays, you watch guys like, you know, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson, and Justin Herbert, and Kyler Murray, and Lamar Jackson dominate. You need mobility. You need guys that can move outside the pocket. Pass rushers get paid an ungodly amount. Yet we spend all our time on Mondays talking about Mike McGlinchey getting blown up. Well, he's going to get blown up because pass rushers are really good. So what do you need? A quarterback that can move outside the pocket and make plays. Yet, he gets blown up and Mullins or Garoppolo can't move. They get hit play, you know, falls apart and we continue to have this conversation. So Kyle's got to be watching this thinking, let me, I need me one of those. I need me one of those. Otherwise it's, it's too hard to sustain success when you need everything to be right. When you need a 2019 level defense, you need all your guys to be healthy. It's just, it's just hard. That doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. So what do you need? You need a quarterback and a head coach. Well, the Niners have a head coach. They need a quarterback. They need a that's my soliloquy. They need a quarterback indeed. And we see these stats being thrown around. So Mullins had 2.68 seconds per attempt. Allen had 2.77 seconds per attempt in the game. And you would have no idea because Allen is creating these plays. And we talk about pass rush run weight. And though those stat that stat gets thrown around a lot. A quarterback hides so many pressures from an offensive lineman. As we've seen Allen do last night, we saw it. Mahomes was a great example on Sunday night where he it felt like he was backpedaling under pressure all the time. And you would have no idea. You, you would never see anybody talk about the Chiefs offensive line just being a complete C because Mahomes is elevating the talent around him. He makes you forget about those plays. And that's what the 49ers need. The 49ers need somebody to make you forget that Mike McGlinchey is at right tackle yeah. to avoid – so Colt McKivitz, fifth-round rookie, he is going to get beat. That is going to happen. 
And there is not anybody under center that can, you know, kind of get past that, elevate the talent around him. So when you see those things, I feel like the 49ers would be okay rolling with Brunskill at center moving forward if they have a talented quarterback. But they're going to have to find a way to get a guy that knows how to just play faster and, you know, get rid of the ball in a, in a way that they're not always pressured. And that's that's been the biggest issue because I feel like the quarterbacks just have not had enough. Um, obviously, we talk about them every week, but there's not enough onus being put on what the quarterback is actually doing. And we're talking about a situation far too much where we see everybody else around the NFL, you know, not not be afforded those same excuses. Yeah, no, it's exactly that. And it just comes down to, I feel like we spend every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday talking about Mike McGlinchey and Colt McKivitz or Tom Conton or how the receivers aren't blocking or how the run game isn't cooking and what their adjusted line yards. And we never talk about like why the quarterbacks don't consistently overcome this. And I know they've faced extreme adversity and it's hard to put those type of expectations on Nick Mullins, who's an undrafted free agent. Like I thought he exceeded my expectations. Like I didn't expect him to play that well last night. He played, he made throws. He, he missed a few plays where he could have hit Ayuk in better spots and they could have had yak. But, you know, you had to make diving grabs. He he missed he missed plays, but he's a backup quarterback for a reason. He's undrafted for a reason. Like, it's hard to expect anything more out of him. But, yeah, it like we just have to raise the bar. And we talk about this all the time on the level of the 49ers play out of their quarterbacks. And if that naturally goes up, then all these other guys start to look a little better. Um, and I think that's really where it starts. And one of the conversations that was going around in this game was, would the 49ers beat the Bills, based on everything we've seen, if Jimmy G and George Kittle were on the field? I think you have a pretty, you know, I think we both have a pretty good grasp on what that answer is. (laughs) I just feel like to say that, even if Jimmy Garoppolo played out of his mind, even if George Kittle made the plays that we're used to seeing him make, that is ignoring everything that the Bills did right. And we see it with the media, especially 49ers media, where there's it's just not never ending excuses and they never give the opponent credit. This is an op- this is a game where it's okay to say the Bills were just better on Monday night. And that that's that. Allen made more plays than Mullins and probably Garoppolo would have made. And they would have who's to say they wouldn't have scored more? Like they had the turnover, as we mentioned the fumble in the end zone, they they were stopped on their first drive. I'm sure if they would put their foot to the gas in the fourth quarter, they could have played or they could have scored more. So I just feel like it's kind of selling Buffalo short, and that's not really fair to them. So no, I don't feel like San Francisco would have won. What do you think, Akash? Uh, Yeah, we talked about this before we hit record. I agree with you. Uh, I think it's it's kind of a blind homer take when you say, you know, the 49ers would have won with Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle. You're thinking of like, 2019 Jimmy Garoppolo New Orleans especially like that's immediately what most people think of when they see the score um and Kyle Shanahan kind of mentioned this post game he said oh we expected a shootout going into the game because they probably knew that they couldn't slow down Josh Allen if Josh Allen was on his game just watching the film and I'm sure Salah knew that too so Shanahan probably thought okay we had to score on like every other possession basically uh to have a fighting chance in this game and they obviously they didn't do that and I'm not sure they would have done that with Garoppolo or, or Kittle either, uh, right? Because the same mistakes that Mullins made last night, we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo make. We've seen Jimmy Garoppolo have some boneheaded mistakes. We've seen him be errant on, you know, slants where, you know, a receiver has to dive to make that catch rather than hitting him in stride. 
Um, would the score have been different? Maybe. I don't think the result would have been because I think it just came down to Josh Allen and the Bills offense were just really good. They didn't punt till like three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, they were highly efficient. They were just really, really good last night. And I think it's as, it, like you mentioned, it was as simple as that. And um, yeah, I don't want to play the hypothetical game, but I, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think this came down to like, you know, Mullins necessarily. Let's take a sidebar here and talk about the Buffalo, Buffalo not punting because we were robbed of multiple Brandon Ayuk punt returns, which drove me insane because as soon as the inactives came out, I saw everybody tweeting, you know, who was going to play. And nobody was talking about who was going to punt return because Trent Taylor was inactive. And that means healthy scratch that yeah, healthy scratch too. who would have thought that the guy who had five foot surgeries would not be able to help the team on offense and elevate their passing game anyway. So with over the weekend practice, Trent Taylor inside scoop inside scoop because we've got, you know, boots on the ground in Arizona. We've got a guy there reporting live. (laughs) <laughs> yeah shout out to kyle man giving me a head nod i haven't that that will never happen in my life again so that was like the greatest thing to happen to me all year i so, told akash this yeah yeah i was gonna say it, it was a fantastic story when he texted me i was rolling laughing so i was so john lynch robert sala kyle shanahan they are standing right next to the punt returners kyle walks over looks at me he's like yo what up gives me the head nod First of all, I know he knows who I am, but I don't think that he knows who I am. So for him to even acknowledge my existence was like fanboy. Oh my, look at me. What is going on here? So that was that was great. Anyway, so he texts me, I'm I'm weak at the knees. He texted me. <laughs> yeah, I've been a Shanahan stan going back to like 2012. It's it's really bad. <laughs> um, but knowing that what he's capable of, so that's why I probably have so such high yeah. expectations for the offense. Anyway, so they're punt returning, they're switching, and like Kyle, they, they're talking in between. But as soon as Ayuk is up, he has like a keen eye. He wants to know what is going on, how he's tracking the ball. And you could tell that he trust he trusted Ayuk. So I, I really didn't put two and two together, you know, that Taylor would be an inactive, like a healthy scratch. But man, I was really looking forward to seeing him punt return because I've seen him punt return in college. And I know that was the thing with Dante Pettis, but I is just such a stronger, more compact athlete that you, and you saw it on that 16 yard return. He had some wiggle. Yeah. Like he, he just makes it look so effortless and so easy where, man, I, I don't know how good Washington's special teams are. I know Dallas's special teams are atrocious. So maybe he'll have a chance there, but I, I hate the argument that you don't want to put your first round pick back there. It's football. It's a contact sport. You are at risk at every play to get injured. In my mind, you put your the ball in your best player's hands at every opportunity you get. You do not see punt returners get laid out and injured like that, like the way people think so anyway. So in my opinion, man, uh, you can guy that you want to get him in space because as you see, man, it, it one or two play one or two break broken tackles and it's off to the races. And if, I, I just feel like he's going to break one this year, man. Uh, and that might be too much, you know, putting too much pressure on him. But I just think, like, he, he can be that big of a star as a returner. It's one of the areas we really don't talk about the 49ers. They're special teams. Um, we don't talk about that they get, like, zilch out of, like, the return game, either on kickoffs where they basically always, you know, just let it go into the end zone or on punt returns where it's a fair catch, uh, courtesy of Trent Taylor usually. So, if he with can. Brandon, you <laughs> – Yeah. Uh, for the Chiefs, you know, we saw uh, Tyreek Hill 
uh, return punts for a long time. And then I think now they roll out Miko Hardman. Um, so yes, you put your fastest, strongest, quickest player out there because that that stuff matters. Having a good return, flipping field position, getting some momentum, all that stuff matters. And um, it's those little things that can help. And you know, if if Washington's game yesterday with uh, or on Monday with Pittsburgh is any indication, they're going to punt a bunch. They, I think they punted like six straight times or something like that in the first half. So Ayuk will get his opportunities next week more than he did this past week. So hopefully he can shine. Um, but yeah, on that 16-yard play, he definitely had some wiggle. Um, you know, just staying on Ayuk, uh, Kyle posted, what, five or six clips that had um, Ayuk just burning people off of the line of scrimmage, um, showing his ability to separate what did you see out of the wide receiver one for the 49ers last night? Yeah, and I want to add in quick that the 49ers have the ninth worst DVOA punt return wise. So lo- <laughs> love to stick, love to hold off putting my best player back there until December. What a fantastic idea and should definitely do that next year. What I saw from Ayuk was a player that is starting to figure out that he can win at every level and that he's very, very good. He's playing with confidence uh, earlier in the season, especially against Miami, um, against a team, teams that just run primarily man coverage and that are that are just have high-quality cornerbacks. Ayuk didn't really have a plan. He was playing slower, and it just took him too much time to get off the line of scrimmage. You are not seeing that anymore, especially uh, last night against the Bills. Levi Wallace, he made Levi Wallace look like a seventh-round undrafted free agent. He's been playing like at a competent level, but – he did not look like a good player against Ayuk. Ayuk was just way too fast, way too quick, and way too efficient. And that's what I see with Ayuk. He's just he's just becoming a lot more efficient of a player. He he said again when he played the Packers that he's been watching Devontae Adams all of his life, and he's been watching essentially every route in the NFL with Adams as well. They they do look a lot alike on the deep pass, like the forty nine yarder, where Ayuk was running at full speed, looks back to the ball turns and is back like it's literally backpedaling adjusting to the ball midair judging the flight of the ball just um using his arms to go up and get it that everything about that route everything about that play is where most normal athletes would just trip and fall but he just he has a guy he has a kind of athleticism where he just he just makes everything look so easy man so it, it's really easy to it's really easy to be high on him just because you know what kind of talent he has. That Those are the type of plays where he's oozing with athleticism. He had to dive way too much for some in, some inaccurate passes where I'm sure he could have even had over 100 yards. He had, the, he had the big drop. He had the one that resulted in interception. But how many times has he made mistakes this season? I feel like you can count on a single hand how many those are. So um, rookie mistake, whatever. It's going to happen. Drops happen in the NFL. Obviously, that's the worst-case scenario, but – I'm not going to be too harsh on him on that. Um, he's the 49ers wide receiver one. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I, you know, I think you, when you were there at training camp, you had said that Ayuk was not light years, but he was far ahead of what Debo Samuel was um, last year. Yeah. And so it was clear that the Niners made an emphasis to, you know, feature Ayuk in the offense and he's developed, he's come on. Uh, I think he's had what three straight games of at least like 65 yards receiving. He's got six total touchdowns in his rookie season, which is the third most in franchise history. Um, I think he's chasing like Roger Craig and someone else. So he's, he's in rare company there. He's just, he's making an impact and it's unfortunate because this rookie wide receiver class is really good. And Justin Jefferson is getting like all the love and not to take away from what he's doing. Cause he's been great, but Brandon Ayuk's been doing it with Nick Mullins for like seven of the 
12 games or whatever they've played. Um, and he shouldn't be putting up these numbers, but he is still. So that's a credit to him. Uh, I saw Des Bryant last night, uh, like commented on like an Instagram post or something like that. He yeah. said, Ayuk is Julio. Uh, obviously Julio Jones, they wear the same number. Um, and I think Mohamed Sonu like commented back. He said, Dead so he agrees. Um, so he's getting some respect for some, from some veteran guys and, you know, you know, let's see where he can go from here, but I have high hopes, especially if they get a quarterback that can push the ball down the field that Ayuk is going to put some, you know, Madden type numbers next season. Let us hope, man. And I'm glad you <laughs> dropped, uh, Roger Craig. Here's fun fact. He is my uncle. What? No way. Wow. That, that I did not expect. I thought he was going to say like Roger Craig was my favorite player growing up or something like that. I did not expect a family reference, but that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I, I thought I, I thought you two knew that. So growing up, my grandma babysat my dad and this guy named Curtis. Curtis, his, he has a younger brother named Roger. In high school, Curtis was an All-American football player. Curtis was supposed to be the guy. Like it was – Curtis was going to go D1. My dad was going to go D1. And Roger was going to be okay. As it turned out, Roger was the best. Roger was the guy. Yeah, Roger was better than both of them. Roger went to Nebraska, and he was the one who ended up obviously going on to have what should be a Hall of Fame career, NFL, figure it out. But, yes, Roger Craig is relation. Damn. Damn. Yeah, we're in shock. Uh, but moving on, Rob's Rob's mind is just blown right now. It's yeah, Rob's Rob's texting us here as the show goes on, and he is just in complete shock that that was the case. I mean, he just casually dropped that. He didn't he didn't even flinch when he said that. Hey, uh, <laughs> he he comes to Arizona quite a bit. Big golfer, so you guys would get along. Yeah. Uh, okay. get him on the pod. <laughs> we we will do that. Okay, let's talk about some of the defensive woes because the Bills did score at will, but the 49ers did their best to make it as easy as possible. And it felt like every penalty resulted in the Bills' favor and led to points. But there were some coverage busts. I mean, you name it, it, it went wrong, missed tackles. 49ers just did not play well on defense. And again, we haven't really seen that from them what, why? Like, what? What do you? Was it just because injuries? Like, what do you think led to all the mistakes that San Francisco made? Because in the like, if you let the media tell it, you it would just be because they're in they're Arizona. Arizona for they're in Arizona for a week. I mean, yeah, yeah. You and I laugh about it, but it's like every every person in Niners media wants to lead with, "Hey, you guys are in Arizona. Like, has that been an issue?" And every player shoots it down. Like, these guys are all right. They're just on the road for a week. It'll get tougher as it goes, but it's like they're all right. They're okay. They're comfy. Um, but defensively, yeah, the the busts, especially like communication busts, are brutal for a defense. And we saw this earlier in the season. I think week one they had a coverage bust that led to a DeAndre Hopkins touchdown where he was just streaking open. And it's it's just miscommunication between corners and safeties on like what coverage you're playing. And that happens when you have injuries and you have to play a Dante Johnson or you're playing a Tarverius Moore who hasn't played a bunch, right? Those two guys especially stood out, and that was something that wasn't a giant issue last year because, you know, Jimmy Ward and Richard Sherman, and even though the other corner position was switching, it wasn't because they, they weren't healthy in Emmanuel Mosley, and you had Tart in there for the majority of the season. So those four guys were really solid on whatever coverage they were playing, and obviously Kwan Williams added to that. And so you didn't see as much of this last season, but this year it feels like they bust 
more often. And when they bust, it's bad because it ends up as like a bomb touchdown. Um, and a lot of people I saw last night were saying, hey, if Kwan Williams had played, you know, that might have made a huge impact. And maybe, but some of these busts were as a result of Tarverius Moore. Jason Verrett didn't look particularly good. Richard Sherman looked a step slow. Like, I think if you swap Kwan Williams for Dante Johnson, like there wouldn't have been as big of an impact as some people think. Um, they just assume because Beasley plays out of the slot that if you slide in your best slot corner, it improves. But some of these coverages, when you watch, like the Cole Beasley touchdown was actually Richard Sherman was in man coverage on that play. I think they called him out on the broadcast. He he sits and he didn't he didn't push on the ball and Beasley just gets a touchdown. So, uh, yeah, man. I mean. It's hard to blame Robert Sala. Like I, I crushed him last night, and I crushed him early on the pod. But it's like when he calls out coverages and you bust. It's like it's a, it's like we say on the flip side. It's like Kyle Shanahan calls a play and Mike McGlinchey blows a pass protection. Right? It's like the same thing. It's like the equivalent. So it's like how much can we blame Sala? But yeah, they looked good last week against Jared Goff. Looked bad against Josh Allen. That's all I can say. Yeah. What? Why I don't think that K1 would have made a difference is most of these coverage busts were happening like. 15 yards and beyond down the field. And how often do we see Williams cover down the field? So that's not really fair. And again, obviously injuries would have made a difference. Yes, he probably would. He might have gone free on a sack because it does feel like he makes those type of plays every game. But uh, yeah, Tarverius Moore just looks lost in coverage. Uh, There's a few busts, as we've talked about, uh, early in the game, late in the game. He had, so Moore had a perfect opportunity to prove to the coaching staff that he is, like he can be the guy. And he has gone out of his way to prove that he is not the guy, whether it's, you know, these busts, whether it's missing. Making it look bad. Yeah, because come, even coming out of the draft, I thought he was very, very good in college. I loved his range. I loved his speed, obviously, his athleticism. I, I still think his athleticism makes a difference. But just the drop off between him and Tart, man, it's it's so it, deep. It's, tart it's mental, right? Yeah. It's just like not knowing what the coverage is or not knowing what your keys are or what to do on a certain play. It's not like he's like athletically slow. Like Marcel Harris sometimes can be, he's got all the physical tools. It's just, he's just missing things on plays and it's costing them dearly. I mean, not sure it would have made a difference last night. Cause Alan looks superhuman, but on some of these plays, especially the Gabe Gabriel Davis touchdown, we talked about it, whether it was Moore's fault or Sherman's fault, but that was a coverage bust miscommunication. There was another play you tweeted out that I'd, I'd seen where, more just for some reason he like butts up to the sideline when Cole Beasley is like running up the seam um, and he didn't carry the vertical like so few plays where it was just not good yeah he's just guarding grass and that's like the worst thing you can do as a DB to just like spot drop like a Madden coverage you're just going yeah. to where you're supposed to go for no reason like there's no real because that's your zone <laughs> just relate to somebody so uh, I mentioned the penalties and the Niners only had five penalties, but each of them cost the team, and they, they were just back-breaking. Eric Armstead had a defensive hold where Stephon Diggs comes in the background. I, I don't, I'm not really sure how that's a hold, but I know that you're taught to just tackle the running back in the backfield on the screen. I'm not sure why that's different for a receiver. Do you know the answer to that? It didn't look like a – so if he had gotten in front of Stephon Diggs and he had done that, he probably doesn't get called for the hold. He was like a step late, and he, and he gets him from the side, and I think that's why it looked like – a, a bad play hence the hold was called i got you i think uh in the second quarter fred warner great interception he came close to having another one but that was negated by an illegal contact penalty on richard sherman 
Buffalo marches down the field. Then they score a touchdown. The, the backbreaker, man, was on second and 18. Incomplete pass. Josh Allen rolls to his right. Contavious Street. Why on earth? I don't know why he chose to touch the quarterback. They were going to call that. First of all, amazing acting job by Josh Allen. He should win an award for that 100%. Street needs to know that you don't touch the freaking quarterback. You would think he would know that because this is not the first time we've been through this in the past month or so. So Yeah, um, yeah. He, he, but the last one, I, I have a hard time blaming him. But yes, this one, it's like I saw it from a mile away. You know when you see the play happening? Like I see him chasing Josh Allen, and I'm thinking no, like, don't touch him. Like, yeah, like he's going to throw the ball away. It's going to be third and 18. You just drop, and you get a stop, and you get off the field. And I see him running. I'm like, this is going to be rough in the past. Like he's going to end up like touching him and they're going to throw the flag. They're going to first down. And it's going to be a backbreaker. And that's exactly what happened. Oh, and man. he's like running off the screen and I'm like, Oh God. <laughs> Get him out of here and don't let him come back on the field. Don't let him come back on the bus. Send him back to Santa Clara. That's what I would have done if I was a coach. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh man. And the, the final one uh, late, later in the game, the 49ers are driving. The 49ers are actually on the five inch line. Nick Mullins trying to get the defense to jump off sides. Instead, he is the one who jumps off sides. False start, and that led to the 49ers not scoring. Question, have you ever seen a quarterback false start on a QB sneak? I know you watch a lot of tape. Have you ever seen that? I have not. I have not seen that. I have not seen a defensive end drop back in coverage before. So <laughs> Jordan Willis jumped off sides. And then dropped out back into coverage. How are you jumping off sides when you're 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 supposed to go backwards? It doesn't make any sense at all. But that that was that kind of sums up how the night went. Uh, there was just an unbelievable amount of mistakes, and I mean the, the hidden the 49ers really lost lost the hidden yardage all night as well. You mentioned a couple of tackles in the scrimmage where you know they have opportunity to, to force the Bills in these long yardage situations, and they don't, and that's why the Bills were averaging those. Um, five yards on defense go ahead this offense is impossible to stop when it's like third and four and josh allen can run for a first down he's got Diggs and beasley and it's like how do you stop beasley who's really quick how do you stop Diggs, who can like run these comebacks where jason verrett is like breaking his ankles it, it's like just tough to stop and you have no pass rush so they had to win on early downs they didn't do that like you mentioned with the hidden yardage and that was like the story of the night yeah, I'm not sure that, you know, as you mentioned, there is a way to stop Buffalo, especially when you get that version of Allen's. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about, you know, who's stock up, who's stock down. We're going to talk about Shanahan and Lynch's comments on Garoppolo and Kittle coming back, the draft, and a Washington preview. All right, so we're going to talk about, first, the blocking issues, because that was a pretty big topic in 49ers landing. Where was Debo Samuel? Why did the 49ers not get to the edge? Why were there no jet sweeps? Those were people screaming into the abyss. Akash was not a fan of those tweets. He actually blocked our producer, Rob, because of those tweets. Akash, could you explain why we did not see more run? Because Debo had one carry, and he didn't really get involved into the passing game until late. Why is that? Yeah, producer Rob thought I subtweeted him. <laughs> Honestly, it wasn't. Uh, I got a bunch of people in my mentions that kept saying, 
you know, why isn't Debo getting more touches? Why aren't they running jet sweeps? Which makes sense because I thought going into the game, like that's what you do. The Bills were extremely vulnerable on, you know, both edges. I think they were giving up like six and a half yards per carry. Their success rates were just off the charts. Like I thought that's where they would have success. Yet Kyle Shanahan only called, I think, what, one Debo Samuel carry. And even that wasn't really a sweep. Debo Samuel was in the backfield. So he was like the running back on that play. Um, the broadcast kind of hit on it. And when I went back and I watched, it kind of made sense why. So, you know, they, the bills would line up uh, a defensive end in the wide nine. So they, he's what the edge defender is, you know, way outside of Mike McGlinchey's right shoulder. So he's in a position to be able to get to Debo Samuel on a jet sweep. Even if the receivers on the outside block, well, just because Mike McGlinchey's not quick enough to get out there, right? he'll blow that play up in the backfield. And so what Kyle Shanahan does when there's a wide nine defender, and correct me if I'm wrong, he runs inside of that. So he just picks the the gap that's open, right? And so they would bring a tight end down and they would run behind that. And so that's what they were doing more often last night. And they were successful on that. And it opened up cutback lanes for Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. And that's why I thought they didn't go to Debo Samuel on sweeps and end rounds. They didn't do that with Ayuk either. Now, the reason that I thought they didn't target Debo Samuel uh, at all in the first half was because he was defended by Tredavious White. Now, why Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator, chose to do that, we can question because I thought they would put their best corner on the 49ers' best receiver, which is Brandon Ayuk. But they did not. They put Tredavious White out there. And clearly, Kyle Shanahan mentioned it after the game, too. The 49ers chose to attack Levi Wallace. I think Levi Wallace accounted for like 12 targets. Tredavious White was only targeted five times, and it was that simple. They chose not to go after whoever White guarded, and that ended up being Debo. So I thought the 49ers offense wasn't trying to force feed Debo Samuel. They rarely try to force feed a certain person. They just take whatever you give them, and so that's kind of how the game plan rolled out. Yeah, and those are good points because – Buffalo knows what's like. They knew San Francisco wanted to get to you. Everybody knows that. If you've watched one game of Kyle Shanahan, you know he wants to run outside wide zone and he wants to get his speed to the edge. And that's where the 49ers had their mismatches. So you have to give credit again. Like it goes back to instead of, you know, crapping on the play callers on both sides of the ball, it's okay to give Buffalo credit. Like they're an eight and three team coming in and they're really good on in a lot of areas, but it, it was still surprising to, to see that they couldn't get the run game going, but the game got out of hand so quick that, you know, you had to throw the ball and you had to kind of put that game plan out of the window and do what, it, do what you needed to do in order to move the ball. So who's stock up? Like who impressed you? What position, group, player, you name it uh, in this one? Uh, you've been raving about him all, all podcasts. Brandon Ayuk, man, uh, he's got to be stock up after this game. Just the plays that he was making, even when he wasn't targeted, how quickly he was getting open. Um, he's this team's wide receiver one. Um, and like I mentioned, if it weren't for Justin Jefferson, he'd be getting way more hype as a receiver. So I would say his stock up is, uh, or his stock is up on offense. What about you? Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, you kind of forget about how much talent is on this team because so many players are missing and so many players miss on a weekly basis. So to get Ayuk back in the lineup and just to see what he can do right away, like you, they go to him right away, 13 yards, first down, and he's making plays down the field. He's making plays on these slants, on these out routes. 
honestly, one of his third down conversions where he it, he almost runs like three different routes in one, and he leaves the he leaves the cornerback hopping in another direction like that. That's why I think it's so promising because when we see Samuel, just think about last year, most of these plays are coming on you know RPOs or where essentially the defense has to only honor one one sort of route and he he's kind of open on the backside. They're rolling coverage to IU. Like he's having to beat press coverage, he's having to beat man coverage, and he's doing it on third down. So yeah, I agree. I, I don't I don't know who else will be in the in the same ballpark as Ayuk in this game. But we have to talk about stock down where you have some options in this game. <laughs> yeah. There are quite a few. Yeah. Who who are, who are you taking for stock down? Uh, we'll go defensively. Uh, I'll start with Tarverius Moore. A uh, bunch of people were tweeting at me. They were like, you wanted Tarverius Moore in the starting lineup, and now look, he's busting every coverage. And it's like, guys, like, relax. Uh, young player, you know, he hasn't got much reps. He's busted a few coverages. Like, he's got the athleticism. He's got the range, the speed to be able to play in that deep safety sort of role. He's, he was even able to play in the box against, like, the Patriots. So we've seen it out of him just – let him iron out the kinks. It'll be okay. Um, even though he had a bad game last night. So I'd have to say stock down, even though long-term I'm not like selling stock. I just think it's down right now. The other guy probably defensively is Jason Verrett. He had a tough matchup. It's Stefan Diggs, um, who, like you mentioned, probably one of the five best receivers in the league. And just his route running ability is a tough matchup, but looked like Verrett was just a little uh, overmatched. And that's something we haven't really seen. He's he, I've said this he might be the mo- he probably is the most uh, most athletic corner on this team. So he's able to keep up with speed guys and guys that can um, run, uh, you know, really well. Yet he wasn't able to do that on Monday, and that was kind of surprising to see. Um, so those would be my two guys. What about you? Who are stocked down? So I'm going to go with a name that we haven't talked about, and yeah, you could probably name the entire secondary, and you'd be right. <laughs> I'm going to go with Dre Greenlaw because I don't think he's played good one. this season. And I think he got exposed a bit yesterday. I honestly, in my opinion, they were going at Greenlaw and it was working. So on the on one of the early touchdowns. The two, the two edge plays with Devin Singletary. Yes, absolutely. So he, the difference in why I think that he, why I said that he's not close to being a linebacker that Quan Alexander is, is his trigger is nowhere near as quick as Quan's. So when when he goes to see the, the play processing, Quan just goes. Like, he's just a reckless abandon in your face at the line of scrimmage, and that creates chaos at the line of scrimmage. Dre Greenlaw waits, and when you wait, you allow the lineman to get to the second level, and that's when it all goes bad. There are a couple plays, and I can tweet these screenshots out, where – the middle of the defense is just wide open. And that's because Greenlaw is waiting four or five yards down the field and the offensive lineman is getting on top of him. That can't happen. When you do that, you not only make it harder on yourself, you make it harder on whether it's Marcel Harris or Fred Warner, whatever side it is. Now they have to be blocked as well because they can't flow. So he he's just not played well at all this season. Based on what I've seen from him since Quan Alexander, he should not start next year. I know that sounds like a very hot take, but I don't. I just don't see what he's done well compared to and I know we know where we've seen last year and he did make plays but I feel like we have to evaluate based on what we've seen and if it's going to be a situation where you're expecting Greenlaw to play at a 2019 level where every like I don't think people understand how dominant that defense was that was a historic defense we are never seeing that again erase that from your memory that is not real life 
I think what we're seeing this year is more realistic and probably more realistic of what we can expect moving forward. So I just I there was just way too many plays where Greenlaw is either out of position, uh, he misses way more tackles than he's given credit for. There was a play where I think it was Cole Beasley caught a crossing route and he cut up field right away. Greenlaw he falls like he he seriously I have the, I I. I have like a running thread with Rich Madrid on like all the bad plays that he has. And there are a lot. So um, I know it's tough to tell when you're not actually watching for it. But now that I've pointed it out, pay attention. I'll watch for it. Yeah, pay attention to Greenlaw just not processing as fast and kind of being passive where he should just be more aggressive towards the line. So I'm going to go with Greenlaw. The the processing thing, you really hit the nail on the head. because So not the touchdown play, but the other, it was a third and one. Uh, I think Josh Allen, it was, he fakes uh, a give to the fullback and you see Dre Greenlaw take one step, you know, to the inside of the play and they, you know, they turn around, they hand it to Devin Singletary. And by the time he, you know, bounces out, Devin Singletary is already there. He's not quick enough, like you mentioned, uh, to close. And that's tough, right? The 49ers defense banks on him to make those plays and process that stuff quickly to be able to make the tackle because he's the only guy out there on the edge and just not quick enough. Uh, and that was twice. They ran the same thing twice, one for a touchdown, then the other one for a first down on like third and one uh, when they thought Josh Allen was going to quarterback sneak it, but he didn't. So one of the big talking points, John Lynch, before the game, or as he was talking to Lisa Salter from ESPN, was talking about Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle and when they would be back and if we would see them anytime soon. So what Lynch told Salters was we got positive news today that they Jimmy and George both had great workouts this morning and that was Monday morning that just adds to the great work they've been doing we're going to be judicious they're both important players not only but not only now but for our future so we're not going to put them out there until they're ready and we're hopeful at some point towards the end of the year that they can be back and compete for us and and that just put all of you know 49ers fans on alert because it made it seem like they would be back sooner than later. Like, why else would you say that? And Shanahan said after the game that that was just, he's kind of dumbed it down. And that was just Lynch answering the question. Probably. I mean, those guys are working their tails off right now, but they're still part of the rehab, just trying to get back and be part of this, but it's not anytime soon to me, knowing that how Kyle Shanahan talks, they'll probably be practicing today. Like they'll, they'll probably be back right away. That's not realistic. I think the more realistic part is, expecting them to be back against Dallas. What what do you think? What a what do you think we'll get to them? That was my takeaway. I you know, listening to John Lynch, it felt like that kid that like gets some news but like has to keep the secret but like couldn't and just he was like gushing over the fact that they may be back. And whereas Kyle's just more like even keeled, like he's just more straightforward and honest. Like he doesn't play that game. So he was just like, yeah, nah, they're not really that close. Like we'll see where, where when it, when the time comes. They're probably not playing against Washington. It's a short week. Um, I just don't see them playing. Uh, I would expect them to be back out against Dallas. It's I think it's been five weeks since you and I were there when both of them got hurt. I think Kittle's original diagnosis was eight weeks. He said he'll be there sooner than that. Six. Uh, Jim, yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo's original was like four to six week diagnosis. And it's, again, we're five weeks in. So the Dallas game feels likely. Um and we'll see if the three games that they play mean anything as we talk about playoffs uh, later on in the pod. Yeah, and we can get to that now. So, I mean, they have 
the, good segue. the easiest, yes, it was, the easiest way for them to get to the playoffs. You went out. You hope that the Vikings lose to the Saints in week 16 and that the Lions lose any other game for the rest of the season. That would be the clearest pass for the 49ers to win. Obviously, there are there are going to be like a trillion different scenarios where they can make it. Um, the 49ers can actually make the playoffs as a seventh seed if they are eight and eight, but that's going to be one of those if 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 so. Too many ifs. Yeah, that we'll get there. But as of right now, what I want you to note or what I want to know from you is. What do you think is the most clear? Is there another clear path besides what I just mentioned? And do the 49ers make the playoffs? No, you you took my line there. I, I read it somewhere, and I think that's the clearest line where the 49ers win the next four games. They're 9-7. and seven. Obviously, they would defeat Arizona on the way. Um, and the Saints would lose um, against – at least against – or the Vikings, excuse me, would lose against the Saints, and they would lose – against the Buccaneers and they would have a better record. And I assume that I think the Lions have some tough games. So I assume they'd lose, you know, one along the way, um, especially with Daryl, Daryl Bevel at the helm. So yes, I think the other teams around the 49ers are kind of begging each other to kind of take it. I look at that seven spot originally in, you know, when the season began, it's like, man, it's going to be tough. Like it's going to be teams competing. And now in the NFC, I look at it and I'm like, that seven seed is really up for grabs. Like, Arizona is on a free fall. They've lost, I think, four out of five, and they were basically a Kyler Hale, Kyler Murray, Hale Mary away from being, you know, have lost five straight. The Vikings, they barely beat the Jaguars. They've barely uh, won the week before. Um, they've just haven't looked really consistent. Niners obviously have Nick Mullins, so and their defense, as we know, didn't play particularly well last week. Lions are the Lions, so it's like that seven seed is up for grabs. And can the Niners win out? I don't think so. So I'm going to, I'm going to say no. I thought they needed to win against Buffalo and then just relieve some pressure coming down the stretch. Cause they still have, they're probably playing what three fringe playoff teams, right? I don't think Dallas is Washington might be obviously Arizona might be and, and Seattle is so tough matchups. And I thought they needed to win on Monday night. They didn't. So it's going to be exponentially harder. What do you think? Yeah, well, I don't think so because I thought essentially Monday night was a playoff game to me. Like, if you wanted to make the playoffs, you were going to have to beat a playoff team. And while that's not fair because they had a backup quarterback and Josh Allen is not a backup quarterback, that's just the that's what happens when you had those earlier losses in the season. You you can't afford that margin for error. So losing to a team that benched their quarterback is not good. Um, who knew? Let's talk about Washington, and Washington has a very good defense. So they are fourth in DVOA, and I believe they're top five or six in both EPA per play and success rate. Uh, their offense, I mean, Alex Smith has been okay. He's been fine. They, their offense hasn't been great on this season, but a lot of that has been, you know, dating back to the earlier parts. But even even their Dave, actually looking at it now, their Dave is 27th, so – I feel like the 49ers only struggle with the type of quarterbacks like Josh, obviously MVP level quarterbacks. But when, <laughs> when, they, when there is a quarterback that really can't challenge, and I think Terry McLaurin is another receiver that is just flying under the radar and is a superstar and will probably give them issues. But I just don't feel like Washington will pose as a bit, as big of a threat um, offensively. So I feel like the 49ers can and should win, but 
that defensive line is a problem, as we've seen. And they have just, I mean, dogs all over that place. And their their pass defense is really good as well. So Mullen's going to be on, have to be on his A game. He cannot afford to – the play where he took a snap, fell on his butt, got right back up. Spun, Can't do that. Didn't even look. Just spun him through to Debo Holt. Like, that could have been a disaster. That should have been a pick six. But the, the throw was so high and it was such a duck that um, it, it fell his name. Didn't matter. Yeah, so I I think that they – I just – I don't see why a Kyle Shanahan, like, knowing with his history with Washington, like, he's Bingo. not going to let them lose. to Like, I can only imagine what he's written on the bulletin board. Or, Bingo. Because we all know the history and knowing what's at stake. So – if we lose this, we're done. Like, that's over. It's a wrap. So I imagine that message will be there. And knowing that Washington, they're going to struggle on offense against this defense. The defensive line for Washington will probably make plays. Mullins won't be able to do the thing where he throws it to nobody paying attention like he did against the Bills. Um, he, he, he just can't be that bad. And and I say that because he's a. I feel like he's a really good backup quarterback but he's a bad starting quarterback and it's tough for people to differentiate that. So uh, with that said, I like San Francisco this week, but it's going, it's probably going to be another ugly one. I feel like Washington just plays ugly games. So that'll be far for the course, but I, I feel like they'll be able to force Alex Smith into some mistakes and, and kind of keep that offense under wraps. What do you, what do you see happening? So I think this is going to be the exact flip of kind of what we've been talking about. You know, last week, everything we were saying is, you know, how will the 49ers defense slow down Josh Allen? And man, Kyle Shanahan's got to be licking his chops going up against this rush defense. I think it's the reverse. So if you look at, you hit on some DVOA numbers. So Washington's offense, will start with that side of the ball. Um, bottom of the league, basically. They're 28th in total DVOA for offense. Uh, they're 26th in weighted DVOA. So that you know, uh, focus on more recent games. So it's not like Alex Smith has provided some giant boost. Uh, like you mentioned, they're 27th in Dave, which takes into account some preseason forecast uh, for what their offense is going to look like. They're terrible against the pass. They're 30th in pass DVOA and they're 14th in rushing DVOA. A lot of that is attributed to Antonio Gibson, who's probably not going to be playing. He suffered a toe injury last night. Uh, I think they mentioned it was turf toe. He just was limping. I highly doubt he plays. So if he doesn't play, it's, I think, like Peyton Barber and like J.D. McKissick. So like dudes off the street. So I would expect the Niners defense to have some success um, against Alex Smith. Obviously, he's going to be looking for revenge because it's a revenge game for him. Just like you mentioned, Kyle Shanahan's also going to be looking for revenge. So I think the Niners defense will have their a much better time playing Alex Smith and these group of receivers because um, it, it drops off after Terry McLaurin. He's really the only guy that threatens them. Um, defensively, however, it's going to be a much bigger challenge, uh, much bigger challenge up front. So Washington's defensive line is fantastic. Obviously they have chase young. Uh, you mentioned before we hit record, if they don't line up 99, which is what chase young wears over Mike McGlinchey, every snap, it is a fireable offense. Uh, in my opinion, you put your best player over Mike McGlinchey and just let him, uh, go at it. But that being said, Montez sweat, the other pass rusher, and the inside guy is Jonathan Allen. He's a top five, top 10 pick. Um, and Laron, Deron Payne, Laron Payne, he's also really good. So their front four is fantastic. They are kind of built like the 49ers were last year. Yeah. They, yeah. 
They're fourth in adjusted sack rate. They've got 36 sacks on the season. They're seventh in adjusted line yards, so they can rush the passer. They can stop the run. That typically is a bad recipe for success. You know, that's a recipe for disaster for the 49ers offense. So I imagine it's going to be an ugly game on both sides. I imagine it's low scoring. I imagine there's a strip sack fumble in there. There's a Mullins interception in there. But that being said, I can't see Kyle Shanahan and Trent Williams to losing to Washington. This is a kitchen sink game. This is, we got to win this game because we think Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle will be back. And when they're back, you know, suddenly, you know, windows open, hope opens again. I just think they win this game. They find a way. It'll be low scoring. I'm going to go like 20 to like 17 or something like that. Uh, But I think the Niners win. Yeah, it'll be ugly. And and I actually think that this will be kind of the opposite of a kitchen sink game where they're kind of, where Kyle Shanahan's more conservative and just wants to get out of here with a win. Like he's going to do whatever it takes, but he's going to he's going to hold on to some of those plays that he might save for Arizona and Seattle later in the season when Jimmy and Kittle come back. But I'm just watching the defense real quick. Fifth in EPA per play, fifth in success rate, fourth in drop pack EPA per play, third in drop back success rate. They are very, very good, and this is going to be ugly. It's going to be sloppy. If you are a gambler, take that under. Um, yeah, 27-17, that sounds about right. I imagine – I don't think both teams reach the 20s. Yeah, Niners uh, – so if you lost money by betting the Niners on Monday night as a betting favorite against Josh Allen, uh, I don't know what to tell you. You should probably get some help, but you could maybe make that money back this week by betting the under. I don't know what the over-under is. I know the Niners are favored by like three and a half, four points. Sounds about right. Um, I'm not sure if Vegas is taking into whole, you know, three points for the home advantage of the season, and especially now that they're not at home really. So I don't know if that's coming into play, but that sounds about right. I would imagine that's kind of where the game ends up. Anything else we need to talk about? Uh, do we? I mean, NFL draft they're at fourteen right now. So if they lose, if they lose to Washington or Dallas, you know, we can we'll probably shift gears real quick to the NFL draft. So I don't I don't think there's anything we need to touch on. Akash, is there anything you're working on that you want to plug right now before we get out of here? Uh, no, nah, nothing to plug. I was just gonna say if they lose the next couple of games, I'd hire Greg Williams, assuming Robert Sala leaves. You know, just complete the tank the last couple of games. Uh, run that cover zero. Um, just all game. Make sure you lose those last few games and try to get the best draft slot. But we're not quite there yet because they're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. So that's all I've got. Uh, this is episode 16 of the Shannon Plan podcast. I am Akash. You can find me on Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. So you can yell at me on game days and I will try to read through them. <laughs> KP, where can they find you? My name is Kyle Posey and you can follow me at L-O-M-B-A-R-D-I-H-I-M-S-E-L-F. You can follow Rob at, uh, Rob, throw, throw us your at as well. Because you have some good game day tweets that I, you know, clearly subtweet. So <laughs> <laughs> I am on Twitter at Stats on Fire. Stats on Fire. That's what he hits you with all the time. You don't know my Twitter handle. That's why you did that. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, because you know you go through your notifications, and I'm usually you know bouncing back between my computer and my phone. I just it just like scrolls like crazy, and I just saw Debo, 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 Debo yesterday, and so I had to put throw that point out there. Thanks. Yeah, that's all. And go Niners. <laughs>